So I think it was last weekend, we were invited to go uh, to a friend's house. They had just moved. And the last we had heard was that they were kind of buying some acreage. And so we were really excited to go out and see them and see their new home. And, and so as we got out there and we're kind of following the directions, it wasn't really leading us to a place where we thought there was going to be acreage, but okay. Um, and so once we finally got there, it, it was an acreage. It was, it was a really nice home, and we had a wonderful time, and it was great to see them, and it's a beautiful house. But it was just different than what we expected. So we had expectations for one thing, but the reality was, well, it was different. And sometimes in life, we can have really great expectations of how something is going to look, or how we're going to experience something, and then the reality of that, well, it, it can be very different. So let me give you examples. Sometimes, guys, we want to grow a mustache, and we have a re, uh, an expectation of how it will look. But the reality of how it looks can be very, very different. So we have some different, uh, different expectations. As parents, we have expectations that when our kids are studying together of what it will be, but the reality of that is it's a little different. You know, I mean, we, we have different expectations in reality. Sometimes I've tried to grow a beard. You know, and think, you know, how do I look when I grow a beard? I have an expectation of how I'm going to look when I grow a beard, and then that's the reality of how many of us look. Or maybe Friday nights. You know, you're like, it's Friday night, it's the weekend, we are ready to go. You have expectations of how Fridays are going to look, and then really, that's really the reality of what Friday night <laughs> looks like. So you all are familiar uh, with this one. You know, everybody likes to think, you know, they've got a good smile, a smile that lights up a room. We have an expectation of what we look like when we smile. That's the... Uh, <laughs> That's kind of what we think we look like, but in the reality, we look very, very different. And then also driving. I know I look very cool driving a minivan. How could you not look cool driving a minivan? But there are expectations of what you think you look like and then expectations of what you really look like. And then lastly, have you ever fallen asleep in a public place? And no, I'm not saying this to make you feel really awkward right now. But we have an expectation of what we look like. And then the reality is what we really look like. So... You know, we have expectations and then there is reality in life. And one of the expectations that we have to ask ourselves is, what is your expectation of Jesus? What is your expectation of Jesus and what is the reality of who Jesus is and why he came? And then the other question we're going to look at is, do you know the expectations that Jesus has of you and is that a part of the reality of your life? So two questions we want to answer today. What are your expectations of Jesus? And do you know the expectations that Jesus has of you? So as we continue to go through Mark's gospel and our Game Changers sermon series, what we've seen now moving from Mark chapter 2 as we go through coming up to Mark chapter 7 is that Jesus continues to preach, to teach, to heal, to point people to the kingdom of God. He has empowered the disciples to go out and to heal and to preach and to teach. And as he continues to try to educate the disciples and, and let them know who he is and what he expects of them, they're not getting it. They're hearing it, but they're not getting it. They're seeing it, but they're not getting it. And so their expectations of who Jesus is are not matching the reality of who Jesus is. And the expectations that Jesus has for them is not a reality to them. So let's take a look here starting Mark chapter 7 verse 31. It says, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. 
and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. He said, Ephathatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongues were loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more he kept talking about it, the more they, uh, the people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now again, understanding context is so important. Chapters 7 and 8, Jesus is really trying to help the disciples understand the expectation of who he is and help them understand the expectation that he has for them. He had been talking about what makes a person clean versus unclean. Some thought what you eat makes you clean or unclean. And Jesus was saying, no, what makes you clean or unclean is what's in your heart. What's in your heart will determine what comes out and what makes you clean and unclean. And he's doing all of this and really the disciples are not getting it. Have you ever had somebody try to explain something to you and they really explain it well and you just kind of go, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I'm hearing the words coming out of your mouth, but I don't know what you're saying. Or somebody's like, look, do you see what I'm trying to show you? And you look at it and you're like, I'm not seeing what you're trying to tell me. That's where the disciples were. And we see this through chapter 7 and chapter 8. Let me give you some examples of how Jesus does this. If we take a look at uh, verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. And then we see Mark 7 and 18. He said, are you dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? See, the disciples were suffering from what many people suffer from today. They were spiritually blind, spiritually deaf, and spiritually mute. They were seeing but not comprehending. They were hearing but not comprehending. They didn't have the right expectations of who Jesus was. They didn't understand who he was. They understood who they wanted him to be, but they had the wrong expectations. In fact, we see in chapter 8, Jesus feeds 4,000 with just loaves of bread. And then when the disciples and he get into a boat to go, the disciples start to lose their mind because they're like, oh, we don't have any bread. And listen to what Jesus says. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Jesus is saying, guys, you're with me. You see what I'm doing. You hear what I'm saying. And you still don't have the right expectation of who I am. See, the disciples wanted Jesus to be a military Messiah. They wanted Jesus to come in and make everything right by might. They didn't want him to be the suffering servant. See, they had the wrong expectations of who Jesus was and why he came. And so often we have the wrong expectations of who Jesus is and why he came. I've had the privilege to be a pastor for a long time. And I want to share with you the five things, the misunderstanding of expectations that people have for Jesus. I can share these with you because I've had them myself. And maybe some of you have or do have them. Here are the five things people have expectations of Jesus. Number one, to give us an easy life or an easier life. Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. My life should be good, right? It shouldn't be hard because I follow Jesus. I, I shouldn't have difficulties. Our expectation is that Jesus is here just to make our life easier. That's not why he came. Number two, that we have no problems, just blessings. 
you ever wake up and go, really, God? I'm a follower. Where's the blessing? How come all good things aren't happening to me? Why am I suffering? Why is there heartache? Jesus, my expectation was that you just bless me, not burden me. Jesus never promised a life of just blessing. Number three, that let us do whatever we want with no consequences. Hey, Jesus, I gave my life to you. I'm good. My grandmother, rest her soul, you always used to say, hey, once you're baptized, you're fine. You can do whatever you want. That's not the reality of why Jesus came. He didn't come so that we can just run free and do whatever we want and have absolutely no expectations. But many people look at Jesus and their expectations, God, just bless me. Don't ask me to do anything. Number four, leave us alone and give us eternal life. Boy, this is probably the biggest one that people are like, look, I walked that aisle, I prayed that prayer, I gave my life to Jesus, now Jesus, leave me alone. Don't, don't bother me, don't ask anything of me, just bless me, just give me what I want. That sometimes is our expectations of Jesus. That's like saying, I'm going to take a job, I'm never going to show up for work, but I'd like the paycheck twice a month. That's not realistic. But yet we look at Jesus and we say, I want the blessings, but I don't want anything else. And then lastly, number five, expect nothing from us. Expect nothing. People have an expectation of, look, I'll come, I'll, I'll, I'll listen, I'll sing, I'll do this, but don't expect anything of me. That's not a healthy expectation. Game changers understand who Jesus is. Game changers understand that he didn't come to be a military messiah or a genie in a bottle or a spiritual version of Amazon Alexa. That's not who he is and that's not why he came. And if we want to be a game changer... We have to have the right expectations of who Jesus is. He is the Son of God who came to die for our sins on the cross. And if we have an expectation of Jesus giving us anything else but the forgiveness of our sins, then we have the wrong expectation of who Jesus is. We have to understand that. And so what Mark is, is showing us here and what Jesus is doing here, he's actually healing this man as almost an object lesson so that the disciples have the right expectations. So we have a man who is he's deaf and he's mute. He can't hear, he can't speak, and he has four friends who bring him to Jesus. Again, we're ta we talked about friends last week. It's amazing when you've got the right friends who will bring you to Jesus, how that's a game changer. So we have these four friends, and what we can learn from them is they have the right expectation of Jesus. They knew that if I go to Jesus, if I bring my friend to Jesus, he's going to do something amazing in my friend's life. Their expectation of Jesus, was that, of Jesus was that of the miraculous. We have so lowered the expectations of Jesus. We think, well, Jesus can't heal this, so I won't bring it to him. We bring it way down here. This is Jesus. This is walk on water, Jesus. This is water to wine, Jesus. This is resurrected, Jesus. This is Jesus. These guys had the right expectations. He's the Messiah. He can heal. He can cure. He can do anything because he's Jesus. See, if you don't have the right expectations of Jesus, why would you come to Jesus? If you don't have the right expectations of Jesus, why would you bring anybody to Jesus? See, game changers have the right expectation of Jesus. And that he's the Messiah, that he died for our sins, that he can heal a broken marriage, he can heal a broken heart, he can give hope to the hopeless, he can be the light in the darkness. See, there are so many people that are spiritually deaf, spiritually mute, spiritually blind. We can all think of people that we know that they're just not getting it. 
But we've got to make sure that we show them that we have the right expectation of Jesus. That we understand, I've got to bring my problems to Jesus. I've got to bring my worry to Jesus, my anxiety to Jesus, my fear. And I'm going to expect the miraculous because I know who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. He can do things that nobody else can do. And these friends brought him to Jesus. What is your expectation of Jesus? Is it that he just makes your life easier? That he just makes your life better? That you just have blessings? That, that he doesn't, he's not able to ask you to do anything? What is our expectation? When you take a job, you have an expectation of what you're going to get paid. And if that is different than what they told you on payday, you have a problem. You have an expectation when you go to a restaurant that everybody says is wonderful and then it's terrible. You're like, that expectation didn't meet my reality. We live with expectations. We go to a movie. I expected it to be better. It was no good. Expectations and reality, we do it every day. But we very rarely ask ourselves the question, what is my expectation of Jesus? If we're honest, it's bless me, don't bother me, don't ask me of anything, and just give me what I want when I want it. If we're honest, do we actually have the expectation, you are here to forgive my sins? Because if you say that, then you're saying, I'm a sinner. And we have to understand that. Now, these four guys, these four friends, and even this man, had the right expectation of Jesus. He's the Messiah. He is the one that can heal. But let's flip the question. Have you ever thought, what expectations does Jesus have of you? We say, I'm a follower of Jesus. But what does that mean? What is Jesus expecting? If, if you're an employer or a supervisor or a manager, you have expectations of the people that report to you. Okay, here's the expectation I have for your job. Here's the expectation I have for your project. But do we ever stop and think, what are the expectations that Jesus has of me if I'm going to say I'm his follower? I think if we look at how Jesus handles this man, I think we can get an idea of what Jesus expects of us. So I want to encourage you to write these things down as we go through. If you've never thought of what is the expectation that Jesus has, let's go through it. The first thing it says that Jesus does is when he sees the man, he meets him where he is, but he doesn't leave him there. He pulls him aside. Jesus made it personal. If we want to be a game changer and understand what Jesus expects of us, then we've got to make it personal with people. We've got to roll up our sleeves. We've got to understand that Jesus wants us to get involved in people's lives. And that's what he does. He takes the man. He meets him where he is. He pulls him aside. He treats him with dignity. He treats him with respect. Now, I don't know about you, but I just feel right now in our country, we don't treat people very well. Right? We just, we just treat each other terribly. But see, Game Changers treat, treats everybody with dignity. Jesus treated everybody with dignity. He didn't care about their situation. He didn't care about their beliefs. He treated everybody with dignity. That's what he did to this man. He pulled him aside. He didn't want to make him a sideshow. He didn't want to make him a prop. He says, I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. And if we want to be a Game Changer, Jesus expects us to treat all people with dignity and respect regardless of what they think, what they believe, or how they live. We're called to treat people with dignity. So the first thing is make it personal. The second thing is, notice when Jesus pulls this man aside, he puts his fingers in the man's ears, 
He takes some spittle and he puts it on the man's tongue because in the ancient world they believed that spittle had curing properties. And then he grabbed the man's tongue. You think, well, why would he do that? Why would he put the fingers in the deaf man's ears, put spittle on the man's tongue and grab his tongue? Because he was communicating with the man in a way the man could understand. He was communicating who he is and why he came in a way that this man could understand. By putting his fingers in his ears and touching his tongue, he was saying, I'm going to heal your your hearing and I'm going to give you the ability to speak. See, how do we communicate who Jesus is to people? It's not a one size fits all. Everybody understands things differently and we have to say, how am I communicating who Jesus is? It's got to be more than a sermon, right? It can't be the only way people are going to know Jesus is if they come to hear pastors. It's got to be in our lives and, and how do we communicate to people? As you guys know, I did sports ministry for a long, long time. And there's a way that you communicate the gospel to a group of athletes versus a way you communicate the gospel to a group of people in a retirement home. You cannot approach it the same way. We have to say, I've got to know the people I'm talking to and communicate the gospel in a way to them that they understand who Jesus is. So we've got to make it personal. We have to ask ourselves, am I communicating who Jesus is in a way that people can understand? It's important. Game changers know what Jesus expects of them. And what does Jesus do? He puts his hand. The man could probably read lips because he wasn't blind. He understood what Jesus was doing. He was getting ready. His expectation was that this man, Jesus Christ, is going to be able to heal me. And so what does Jesus do? He looks up to heaven because he knows that's where the power and authority comes from. And he wants everyone to see that he's looking to the Father because that's where the answers come from. And he looks up, right? And he screams, Ephaphatha! And that means be open. And that's the third thing, is we have to be open to being a vessel for God's love and God's truth. See, these four friends, they were open. They were open saying, God, use us, lead us, guide us, and we're going to bring our friend to Jesus. And when they brought their friend to Jesus, Jesus did the miraculous. He said this, and then the man's tongue was loosened. His ears were open. He was able to hear. See, we have to ask ourselves, do we know that God expects us to communicate the gospel and be open to be his vessel? Expectations, reality. I want to share with you what it means to be open to have God use you. So there was a story this past week in Utah. And there was a a young high school boy who has autism and struggles with ADHD. And some kids bullying him thought it would be fun and thought it would be okay to egg his house. So they egg his house. And then they leave a note that says, will you go to homecoming with me? Sorry about the mess. And they signed a girl's name that everybody knew that this boy liked. So the next day in school, this boy goes up to this girl and he says, I got your note and, and I would love to go to homecoming with you. And she says, what are you talking about? And so he told her the story. She said, I'm so sorry I, I wasn't a part of that. I didn't write the note. I already have a date. I am so sorry. Well, you can imagine how this boy felt. You can imagine what people thought. So a young woman running for Miss Utah got wind of the story. And she decided to do something about it. And so she went to the school. And she went up in front of the entire school. And she said to this boy, will you go to homecoming with me? And he went, yes, 
and she gave him a bucket of starbursts. Well, local businesses heard about this. They gave them a free limo. They gave them free photography. They gave them a meal at a nice restaurant. The expectation was that the bullies were going to win. The reality was God's love won because this girl was open to allowing God to use her to help somebody who was hurting. That's a game-changing moment for that young man, but even more, it's a game-changing moment for the bullies, that they're not going to win, that God's love always wins. But we've got to be open vessels of that. Those four friends were open vessels of God's love, and God used them to be game-changers in this man's life. All of a sudden, he can hear. All of a sudden, he can talk. And guess what happens when he starts to really hear and speak? It says that he could shut up talking about Jesus. Jesus even said, look, I don't want you guys to tell anybody because I want people to, to know me as the Messiah and not just the miracle worker. But they couldn't shut up talking about Jesus. So think about how many people were changed when they saw, isn't that the guy who is deaf and a mute? And now he's not just talking, he's talking about this Jesus. See, he was the game changer. He was the game changer. As much as we look at the four friends, they were. But it was the man that once, once he could truly understand who Jesus was, once he heard it, the truth for the first time, he couldn't stop talking about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. His expectation was Jesus is the Messiah. And the reality is his life reflected it. See, we have to make sure that the expectation and the reality meet. If our expectation of Jesus as the Messiah, the reality is it's got to play out in our life. Do we know the expectations that Jesus has for us as a follower of him? And that's that we get radically relational and we make it personal with people. We communicate the gospel in a way that people understand it and that we are open. Are you open to letting the word of God guide every area of your life? Are you open to allowing God to set your calendar and not you to set your calendar? Are you open to serving in a way? that God would use you to reach other people? Are you open to, to going back and saying, I'm going to be in a life group because I want God to work in me. My expectation is that when I'm in a life group, I'm going to learn more about who Jesus is and what God is asking of me. Maybe you can be open to invite somebody, a neighbor over for dinner. Maybe you can take somebody coffee. Maybe you can pray with somebody. Maybe you can bring a family to trunk or treat. I don't know. But say, God, I want to be open because I know that you have expectations for me as your follower. Expectations, reality. What we think we look like and the reality of what we look like. My expectation is that I, I have a lot of hair. The reality is I don't have a lot of hair. The expectation is that Jesus is my Messiah. The expectation is Jesus, is Jesus expects me to get personal, communicate, and be open to let other people know. That's what game changers do. And if you have heard and you've heard the truth and you understand it, if, if you've seen how Jesus has worked in your life, go tell people. Go show people. Go let people know the hope that Jesus is. That's the game-changing moment. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up, and, and I want to give you three things to think about and and as they come up, I want to leave you with one final verse from, um, from Isaiah, Isaiah 35, that what Jesus was doing was confirming who he was. It says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. 
Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. What Jesus was doing was he was fulfilling the expectations that people had of who the Messiah was. Jesus fulfills our expectations when we know the word of God. Far too often we are hearing but not hearing. Seeing but not seeing. Listen to these three things for you to, to walk, talk about this week. Number one, what is your expectation of Jesus? Is it forgiveness of sin or is it something else? You just want him to make your life better or do you understand who he is? Number two, do you know what expectations Jesus has for you because he has them? He absolutely has them. And number three, have you accepted the reality of what it means to be a follower of Christ? If you want to be a game changer, check your expectations of Jesus, accept the expectations he has, and watch God use you in a powerful way. Amen. The deer say, You're drowning. That dog could have said, that's not my problem. But the dog says, I'm going to go into the water, into the muck and into the mire, and I'm going to drag you back. What a game-changing moment that was for all of those animals. That's what we're called to do. Don't quit. And look, I know it's, 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 it's hard not to quit. You know, we all have our weeks. We all have our days where you just say, man, I just, I want to quit. This is too hard. Or I'm not seeing any results from any of the work that I'm doing. I'm trying to do the right thing, and man, nothing's going right. I get it. Trust me, there are times I just want to quit. But you can't quit. Don't quit trying to get to Jesus. Don't let obstacles keep you from Jesus. Don't let, let difficulties keep you from Jesus. And maybe you've been praying for somebody. Maybe you've been trying to share with somebody. And maybe they just keep saying, man, I don't want to hear nothing about this Jesus. Don't quit on them. Don't quit on people. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that, that lives in your neighborhood. Maybe it's somebody that plays on your team. Don't quit on people. Because you know what? Somebody didn't quit on you. Somebody didn't quit on you before you came to know Jesus. And because they were a game changer in your life, we can't quit on getting to Jesus. We can't quit on bringing people to Jesus. I want to be like those, those animals. I want to be a game changer in somebody's life, but the only way that happens is if I don't quit. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're like, I'm just going to quit. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Too many obstacles. And what I'm telling you is don't quit. God's going to use it. Don't quit trying to get to Jesus. Don't quit trying to bring somebody to Jesus. I know it's hard, but don't quit. Because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. We had that verse uh, my wife puts Bible verses on the mirror for the kids so when they go in to get ready for the day, they see a verse. And that verse that she put up this week, that was more for me, I think. She said, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. I want to ask our worship team to come back up. And I want to leave you with three things. And don't quit on these questions. Don't quit talking about these questions. They're meant to be hard. Number one, are you crowding people out for getting to Jesus because you're too busy? Remember, everybody was in the house and outside the house, and they couldn't get. Sometimes we forget people are trying to get to Jesus, but if we're so busy, we may miss it. Don't try to block people. Number two, will you dig through the muck and the mire to bring people to Jesus? Are you willing to get dirty? Are you willing to get scraped up because, man, you want to bring people to Jesus? And number three, 
Does your life show a get up and go for Jesus or are you seeking comfort? Look, I know a lot of people after church today are going to go home and get right back in that bed. I may be one. Or you may get right on that couch, get back to that comfortable spot. That's okay to do after church, but don't get there in life. Don't just say, I'm going back to my comfort place. Say, I want to go to Jesus. Surround yourself with people who want to get you to Jesus and watch God work. Amen?